0: Good morning, Wynn Baptist Church. How are you this morning? morning. Man, I tell you, that was so good. I'm so grateful for these guys and the way that they have led us in worship, the heart that they have for Jesus and pursuing Him. And uh, it has been a tremendous weekend. It has been a blessing to be here. It's a privilege and and an honor together with the church as through the ages in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ to proclaim Him to celebrate who he is and what he has done in our lives. It is so good to be with God's people today, to start the day in baptism with Lindley and Kavion and and everything that's going on in their lives and what God is doing as he begins to mold and shape them and move them on their faith journey. It is just so good. I'm, I'm grateful today, very, very grateful to be in this place with you. Grateful for the staff here and the leadership. Thank you so much for Dustin and the way that he and his family have served and loved and what they have done even this weekend as they are launching out, even this weekend, to minister to students and families and uh, his leadership. Just done a tremendous job, so give him a big hand if you guys don't mind. (laughs) Host home leaders. Small group leaders, uh, folks that have served in the kitchen cooking food. There's just been so many that have uh, loved on students this weekend. I'm I'm all about that. I'm all about reaching the next generation. Statistics say that in North America alone, we're only going to reach about 10% of our students uh, with the gospel of Christ and see them saved. That is terrible, man. It should not be like that in our nation. But that is what the statistics are kind of saying. And that's just a stat until you start thinking about your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and your nephews. If you start bringing that home, that ought to cause a shudder to come through us. And we ought to do something about that. We ought to stop playing games and do something about that. And so I'm grateful for a church that this morning is doing something about that, uh, trying to reach the next generation. So grateful for Brother Don and his invitation to be up here. Uh, and to be with you this morning and grateful for his friendship. Uh, I I do serve at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. I'm not going to talk very much about that because we are on mission together. You guys know it. We are in cooperation. We are doing tremendous things around the state, around the world, because we realize that we are better together. And I serve on the Evangelism and Church Health team. We've got Evangelism Conference coming up. It's a real busy time, but it's not busy when you're sharing Jesus. It's good. And so i uh, married to Melissa. Uh, I've got three kids, two in college and uh, one who just came on to our insurance as a 16-year-old driver. And so right now we're going to pass the offering plate and uh, <laughs> telling you all it hurts. But uh, anyway, I uh, have a good time with them. I served in Waldron, Arkansas for 11 and a half years. Anybody know where Waldron is? Wow, bless you. I don't know how, but you, you know that, but that's great. If you don't know where Waldron is, real easy, it is, seriously, it is in between <laughs> Lick Skillet and Tickbush. <laughs> Just saying, uh, two communities that surround that. That ought to tell you something. We had a great time there, and I was in El Dorado uh, for four years as a student and family pastor, and we had a lot of fun down there. Been at the convention for about five. If you don't mind this morning, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1 that's in the Old Testament if you're new to church new to the faith uh, go way to the left of your uh, Bible and and start looking through those first few books Genesis Exodus Leviticus you're going to reach Deuteronomy there and while you're turning there let's talk about Larry Walters for just a second I don't know if that name rings the bell but Larry Walters uh, thought it was time to make some new discoveries in his life he was a 33 year old truck driver good old boy in California who was just tired of sitting around doing zilch week in and week out. His life was bland. He needed some excitement. Boredom was getting the best of him. So on July the 2nd, 1982, he rigged 43 helium-filled weather balloons to his Sears and Roebuck lawn chair and decided that he was going to launch himself and fly through the air. He was really bored. And some of you gals, I can see you right now, you are punching your husband saying, don't get any ideas from what he's about to say. Larry blew up the balloons. He's sitting there on the top of his house in his lawn chair. Seriously, you can go look up. There's video on it. He cuts the straps. He had a pellet gun with him. Because as he flew, he thought, well, if I shoot out balloons, I'll safely land as I go. He did carry a parachute with him. That was good. He cut the straps and it launched him. (laughs) Not 1,000, not 5,000, not 10,000, 16,000 feet into the air. There was a Delta Airline pilot radioed back into the control tower. Hey, there's some guy up here floating around in a lawn chair. (laughs) Can you imagine seeing that? That is so funny. Well, Larry uh, decided that he had floated long enough kind of shocked him a little bit, so he began to shoot out the balloons. He landed eight miles away in Long Beach, California. The 33-year-old truck driver had instant fame. All of a sudden, he had a Timex ad. He became a spokesman. All of a sudden, he was on the Tonight Show with David Letterman, and of course, he quit his job as a truck driver and became a motivational speaker. <laughs> what else are you going to do? So Larry was asked, man, why would you do this? Did you have a death wish? Here's what he said. Here's a statement. I wonder if this statement kind of rests on some folks in the place today. He said, I just couldn't sit there any longer. I just couldn't sit there any longer. The boredom of life and, and the trappings of life, he had to do something. That's kind of what's happening when we come to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And as we think through this this morning, I want you to kind of ask yourselves the question, have you ever felt like you were supposed to do something with your faith, but you weren't quite sure what that was? Have you ever felt like God was moving you individually or us corporately as a church and couldn't quite f- figure out what that is exactly? Well, that's what's happening with God's people here in Deuteronomy 1. Let me set this up for you. What's happening is, is Moses is giving his last big speech before the people of God enter into the promised land. They're about to conquer uh, Canaan. They're about to move into that promised land. And and so he gives these last words, if you will. And at the beginning of it, in chapter 1, he takes them all the way back. It's sort of a history lesson. Takes them all the way back and helps them to remember how God had moved them in their faith. And today I believe God has given us a message of how to get to his promises beginning in verse three in the 40th year on the first day of the 11th month Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given in commandment to them after he had defeated Sihon the king of the Amorites who had lived in Heshbon and Og the king of Bashan who lived in the Ashtaroth and Edri, beyond the Jordan in the land of Moab Moses undertook to explain the law saying the Lord our God said to us in Horeb You have stayed long enough at this mountain. If you're a Bible underliner, you may want to underline that phrase. You have stayed long enough at this mountain. First thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes with me this morning is basically what uh, Moses says here is that's enough. That's enough. Deuteronomy 1.6, you have stayed long enough. He takes them back 40 years to this generation ago when the Israelites were at this place called Mount which is just another name for Mount Sinai. It is the place where they had been experiencing God quite a bit. It's the place where Moses had gone and experienced the burning bush and heard God speak. It's the place where the Ten Commandments had been given. This is a special place to the people. And they had stayed at this mountain for quite some time. Experiencing God in all of his glory. But now we get to a point where we see God tells them, it is time for you to move. Now, that's difficult. It was difficult because of the, the, the particular specialness of this place. We, sometimes we're just like this, though. We, we keep marching around the same mountains where we have experienced God from days gone by. And we keep living off of those experiences. It's it's what we know. It's what we've seen. It's it's a comfortable place for us, really. But here we're beginning to learn and understand that God has a better plan for them. We must recognize when God tells us that's enough in our routines. When we get to the point of ruts in our lives, we've got to hear when God's saying, listen, that's enough. Some of us have walked into the room today, and we've got some ruts in our personal walk. We just kind of keep doing the same old, same old. And we just do it because it's part of the routine in our faith walk. And maybe God speaks to us today and says, listen, listen it, you've become numb. You, you've, you've got to step out. That's enough. That's enough. We've got to step out in faith. Some of us have come in and really we, we need a change of attitude or we need a change in some bad habits that have developed into our life. And it may be that God is even speaking into your life and my life right now saying, that, that's enough. That's, it's keeping you from experiencing me. Maybe in our church. We keep doing the same thing over and over and keep marching around the same mountains. And we don't even see that we're not living in the fullness that God has for us. A.W. Tozier is a, a noted uh, church leader, man of prayer, and, and he, he wrote this quote. He says, what is the worst enemy in the ch- that the church faces today? Ask yourself that question. What's the worst enemy? Well, automatically, we would say, like, awful theology, or or disunity, the budget, those are the worst enemies. That He says, no, it's not. The treacherous enemy facing the church of Jesus Christ today is the dictatorship of the routine. When the routine becomes Lord in the life of the church, when prevailing conditions are just accepted as normal, we have to find out when God is pointing us to something new in our life. How do we do that? How do we find? Uh, wh- I want to hear from God. I want that Christian experience that moves me from the staleness and into that abundance that I keep hearing about over and over in the scriptures as I follow Jesus. What, what you know, you know the answer. How do you hear from God? You get into His Word, it's in His scriptures. When you get into His Word, and maybe over and over again, God's talking about faith, maybe you keep coming to verses where where it's all about taking a a step or or journeying out. Maybe God's calling you to do something. Maybe if you keep coming to the scriptures and it's all about sharing the gospel. Maybe the the scripture after scripture keeps coming up of of evangelism and, and things like that. Maybe he's calling you to share the good news of Jesus with somebody. That's how you hear from God. You hear from God in your circumstances. Look around at what's happening in your life, what's going on. And, and how God is using that to, to move you. How do you hear from God? It's in prayer. When you go to him and you really submit, you really surrender your values, your attitudes, your opinions to God. And he begins to bring this peace and begins to speak into your life. God speaks through others. He puts people around you who is giving directions, speaking into what you're good at what you can do, an area of service that needs to be taken care of. It, in all of these ways, if you'll think about it for just a second, if you'll listen, God is speaking. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. Well, the Israelites had, had a choice here. We do too. Either look forward and enjoy God's blessing in the days ahead he, uh, or live in the past. Verse 7, verse seven, seven of Deuteronomy 1. Turn and take your journey. Underline that right there. Go to the hill country of the Amorites, to all the neighbors of the Arabah, in the hill country and in the lowland and in the Gev and, and the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in, take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring. So what Moses is saying here, and this is the next thing I want you to write down in your notes, is turn. Take your journey. Turn. Uh, we use often in, in church lingo the word repent. Going one direction. Turning and moving in a different direction. Take your journey. The, the, the Christian life is so exciting because it's a faith journey. He, he's moving us. We don't get it all at once when we first begin to follow Christ. He moves us, molds us, and shapes us as we grow in the grace of God. And that's what he's telling them here. Pick up. Pack up. You're moving from this mountain. You're getting out of the routines. As soon as we hear that, we begin to think, man, that's difficult. Change hurts. Change is difficult. Personally, in community." It hurts. Uh, my wife and I, we're in this kind of new stage of life where we have two guys that have gone off to college and and one young girl who's beginning to drive, like I said. And and, and man, it, our family's changing quickly. And we're trying to figure this out. Sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes I really like it. If they'd get off my insurance, I'd be okay with all of it. <laughs> they're, they're moving, though. Change is difficult, but Hebrews says... Mm-hmm. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, faith in the midst of change, listen to me, faith in the midst of change allows us to see God in the journey. And brother and sister, that's exactly where you want to be, seeing God move. The nation of Israel, That we're going to go through this big change. Why? Because God had set them up to be the first missionary body ever They were going to be the people that would take the laws and show the nature of God as missionaries to the rest of the world, to the nations that needed to know who the one true God is. If they didn't change, if they didn't turn and take that journey, they weren't going to fulfill their purpose in what God had done in them. Did you hear the covenant? Through the descendants of Abraham, all people will be blessed. That was going to happen, and that wasn't going to happen unless the people got moving to show off who got it. They were going to become as numerous as the stars. That was not going to happen unless they got away. God doesn't just bring us out of something without a point. God doesn't just change something without a point. Listen, God uses change to change people. There is always a purpose and a point. He's a God of journey, a God of growth, even though it can be difficult. But there is no safer place than right in the center of God's will. Amen? That's where you want to be, in the center of God's will, experiencing the safety of his presence. When you're on mission and knowing that you're following him, that floods the soul. It helps you to know that you are doing exactly what you're supposed to do. The people of Israel needed to understand that. The commandments weren't meant for the mountain. They had to get away. Think about it. The tabernacle, the laws, the covenant, all of that was meant for missional living. We can't be on mission if we stay at the mountain. We can't fulfill the great commission if we stay in our great comfort. We have to move. But here's what the people reminded, were reminded in verse 8. Look at verse 8 with me. I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring. I've set it before you. I swore it to you. If you're keeping notes with me, write write this little phrase down. A a promise awaits. There's a promise for his people. Listen, it was given hundreds of years before this. This is not news to them. The covenant is not news. They had known about this. It had been spoken by their fathers for generations. They had just never received it. And the cool thing about it, it's a specific promise. The hill country of the Amorites, the neighbors in the Arabah, the Negev by the seacoast, it's specific. God sets out the boundaries. It's a specific promise. It's a special promise. The promise was certain. It just had to be taken. Go. Take. And what we think about as we look at the people of Israel is, man, that they should have known that God would have come through for them. They had experienced him in mighty ways. This is the people that had seen the river part, the sea part. This is the same people that had seen the plagues come on the Egyptians to release them from slavery. They had experienced God in multiple ways. Why is it that we become so dull? to a God who has delivered on his promises time and time and time again. The people should have known this. We have to determine, is a promise of God worth a faith action? Listen, that, that, that's good discipleship. Is a promise of God worth a faith action, stepping out in faith? That happens all the time in our lives we have to determine are the promises worth what we're required to do they're all throughout Scripture the promises of God you can read them one after one after one after one but usually tied with those promises is some sort of faith step that needs to be taken by you and me I'll just give you two just real quick ones I mean we could pick multiple think about Proverbs 3 9 and 10 Listen to this promise. Your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. Wow. The promise of abundance. That is a great promise. Yes, God, I want that promise. You know what the faith action is in the very first part of that verse? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits. See, faith action, honor him, bring to him, promise you will have abundance. Uh, Another one, James, James 1, 5. If anyone asks for wisdom, I will give all the wisdom needed. The wisdom of God in your life. That is a tremendous promise. We want that. What is the faith action required? Ask of God. Ask him for wisdom. There's a promise that awaits. we just got to engage our faith in the one who can make that promise come to fruition. Now, in the midst of all this, we need to remember what Moses told the people. Look at verse 30. I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit. Verse 30. In verse 30, Moses makes it clear, you will need to remember who is on your side. The Lord your God... As you enter this land, as you go on this journey, it's full of fear. But as you go, the Lord your God will himself fight for you. Oh, man, I'd underline that. He himself will fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord God carried you as a man carries his son. I'd underline that. All the way that you went until you came to this place. If you're keeping notes with me today, you will need to remember who is on your side. The command over and over. If you look at Deuteronomy 1 and 2, over and over, take possession. As a matter of fact, it occurs 18 times in these two chapters. Strive for the promise. Enter the promise of God and know this, I, your Lord God, will defeat the forces of evil against you. I will come alongside of you. I will go before you. I will come behind you. I will fight for you as you fulfill your purpose of my promise. I will carry you, that picture of him carrying you as a father carries a son, no matter what you walk through in life, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance may come, no matter what craziness enters in, I will carry you. Wind Baptist Church, the promise today, God will carry this church that he established long ago because he has a purpose for you, his people. He fights for you. He has a promise for you. He carries you. How many of you have uh, ever seen that old Disney cartoon movie, The Lion King? Have you seen The Lion King? Great movie. I think they have some kind of remake coming out. Sort of a For those of you who haven't seen it um, and live under a rock, um, it's a coming-of-age story. Um, It's a lion cub who is supposed to one day be king, but he's a little prideful at the beginning. We talked a lot about being last this weekend and having humility and and service at our core. We dug down deep into that theme. And, and, And here at the beginning of the movie, the lion cub Simba is pretty prideful. Um, but in, as the course of the movie goes on If you know what happens The, the great king Mufasa, his father Who is, a, is a, just a tremendous king That is respected and liked uh, He dies in the midst of the, the film And Simba thinks that he was part of that So he carries a lot of guilt And he goes on this big journey Of trying to rediscover who he is But at the beginning when he's full of pride He goes on a little journey down into this valley Mufasa, his father, told him Don't, don't, don't go down into that valley it's not a place for you, my son. But Simba thinks he's a know-it-all. So he he goes off and he takes a little female lion cub with him. Uh, Nala, I believe is her name. So they, they're journeying through this. Well, sure enough, they get down into this valley where they shouldn't be, and their arch enemies, the hyenas, come up against them. The hyenas that w- want to attack and, and kill. And so they see Simba and, and they're coming after them and there's this chase scene that happens and, and they're towards the end of the chase scene, the, the hyenas are, are obviously going to overpower these cubs and, and they're, they're, they're drooling. They're, they're so excited for this great victory that they're about to have. They're laughing, they're hyenas. That's what they're supposed to do. They're laughing. And so they back them down into this corner and there's Simba and Nala don't know exactly what to do. There's no escape for them. And so Simba, in his pride, he turns, and he's, he, he braces himself, and he's going to roar, the, the roar of a lion, one of those great, great sounds that's supposed to strike fear into all enemies. And so he rears back, facing these three hyenas, and he roars out, and it sounds like a little kitten, because he's just a little lion cub. Well, the hyenas start laughing. He ain't nobody. He's, he's got nothing. We got this. So they inch in even closer, and the fear on those lion cubs, it was overtaking them. You could see it on their faces. So one last time before their death, before their defeat, Simba rears back to try a roar. But this time, all of a sudden, when he opens his mouth, you hear the roar Of Mufasa his father this giant overpowering roar is heard and all of a sudden Mufasa is fighting the hyenas doing battle on part of his son saving their lives according to this scripture according to what we have sung this morning according to what Jesus has done on the cross in bringing victory to us i've got great news for us church today the lion of judah roars over your life the lion of judah roars over my life in victory the lion of judah the one who came and bore our sin and our shame who bore our fear bore our guilt he roars over the collective life of this church he roared from the cross and he brought victory into your life and to my life. So today of all days, no matter what you're facing in life, no matter what your future holds, you've got to walk out of here remembering who he is, how he has delivered, how he has blessed and carried you. He has brought you this far. Do you think he's going to abandon you now? He's brought you this far at your point of greatest need maybe? We're all on a point of journey. This church is on a faith journey. You're on a faith journey. God loves you way too much to leave you the way you are. He's gonna change you. Whether you're nine or 90, he loves you way too much to leave you the way you are. So what we do in the midst of change, what we do in the midst of claiming God's promises is take our faith to that next level. I wonder how many of us today are like Larry Walters. We're just sitting around, bored in our faith, not really experiencing God. How many of us today would say, I just got to do something. I don't know what it is, I've got to do something. Would you pray with me today? Great news, God has an adventure for you. You can't go on that adventure, that journey, if you don't have a relationship with Him. You can hear from God today. You can begin this faith relationship that is exciting and new. If you recognize and realize that Jesus came, He took your sin, your shame upon Himself, rose in victory from the grave lives supremely over all of creation and even over your very individual life if you would submit and surrender to him and say yes jesus you rule you reign. you are lord you are lord you can begin that relationship with him would you come during this invitation time if you're struggling with what to do with jesus would you come your staff is at the front they would love to have a word with you Introduce you maybe to what it means following Jesus. When we sing, I want you to move immediately. Turn and take your journey. Don't stay put. You come. But for those of us who follow Christ in the room, let me remind you again that there's a promise that awaits for all of us. Every promise requires that faith action. Are you dull in your routine? Have you gotten into ruts? Is there some things that are holding you back? Maybe you need to come this morning, kneel at this altar. God, release. Help me to go. I don't want to remain in this great comfort because you've given me the great commission. I need to go. Would you make that commitment to him this morning? Maybe in a moment of surrender, you would come. Church, he's on your side. Deuteronomy 30, 19, the end of Moses' speech. It's at the very end of the book. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing, curse, therefore choose life. Choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life. He is your length of days. Oh God, that you give us life today. We choose you, Lord.